Cue the music, Evo. Find any physician in the culinary medicine movement or any doctor who knows about nutrition and can cook and keeps up with the medical literature and ask that doctor what diet they would recommend for their friends and family. Chances are that doctor would recommend the Mediterranean diet. And the next time U.S. News and World Report ranks diets, guess which diet will be number one? Yep, the Mediterranean diet. So what makes that diet so popular? You have dramatic reductions in cancer, diabetes, heart disease, stroke, Alzheimer's disease, macular degeneration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is Dr. Timothy Harlan, physician at Tulane University and a chef and the manager of the Culinary Medicine Project. And through his efforts, culinary medicine is being taught in medical schools around the country. Today, we're dissecting the Mediterranean diet, taking a skeptical look at all that hummus and olive oil and wine. Well, we'll be nice to the wine. My name is Dr. Terry Simpson, and this is my podcast, Culinary Medicine, Food Cons and Food Conversations, where we have conversations about food as medicine and discuss food cons, exposing myths, cons, and montebanks. So what is the Mediterranean diet? Many of the folks in America, you know, they think, oh, I have to eat hummus or Greek salad, and, and almost everybody thinks of olive oil. But what we do in the Health Meets Food programming is we work to translate that nine-point Mediterranean diet score, which for your listeners is pretty simple. It's more vegetables, more fruits and nuts, more legumes. We love legumes, more whole grains, more fish, but less fish than you think, better quality oils and fats, less dairy and more fermented dairy like cheeses, yogurts, etc. Less meat, but as importantly as less meat, less processed meat, especially processed meat with nitrites in it, and then alcohol in moderation. Those are the nine points of the Mediterranean diet score. And you can, you know, your listeners can go to my website at drgourmet.com and they can find uh, information about what each of those categories means and how powerful it can be to move your Mediterranean diet score towards nine. The more you adhere to the Mediterranean diet, the more you will decrease your risk of cancer, heart disease, dementia, and even macular degeneration of the eye. That's not my opinion. This is a measurable decrease in risk that has been shown in literally millions of people. So how long have we known about this diet? And by the way, why aren't we all on it? Well, the Mediterranean diet was first described in the 1950s, and it was based upon the diet of those living in the Mediterranean region. That population turned out to have less heart disease than other people in the West. So, some smart physicians decided to put that diet to the test. 
one of the first very good quality, large-scale studies. It was done in Lyon, France, called the Lyon Heart Study. And they had patients who had come into the hospital with their first heart attack, and they randomized them into two groups, about 600 people in the study. They randomized them into two groups, and one group got instruction in Mediterranean-style diet. And the other group, they were basically told to go home and follow a prudent diet. They really didn't get much instruction at all. Yet the people in the Mediterranean diet group, four years later, had a 25% reduction in their second coronary event, their second heart attack, angina, et cetera. 25% reduction. That's dramatic. I mean, not only is that dramatic, but we've known that for 30 years. And it can save the system, all of us, a lot of money. But it can also save the patient a lot of money. And, and most of us don't think about that, right? We, we don't often think that far into the future and say, well, if I eat healthy today, I'm not going to have so much on my health care bill. Well, these days, that's pretty significant because the average family of four is spending about $4,000 per year out of pocket on their health care. And so, so there is a, an added benefit of savings in eating great food that just happens to be great for you. As you heard, that study, the Lyon Heart Study, began in March of 1988. When the researchers looked at the data a few years later, the study was stopped because it would have been unethical to continue it. Those patients who had been taught and followed the Mediterranean diet had 25% less heart attacks than the control group. That was enough that the research community decided to end the study. They called in all the participants to teach them the Mediterranean diet. So again, why haven't you adopted this diet? I think part of the blame lies in the literature. You see, there are two types of literature. There's the medical literature, but that's not popular literature. To find good data about diets, you have to know where to look. And as good and great as Google and other search engines are at finding things, it often simply provides links to a lot of quacks with a lot of questionable websites, selling a lot of cons. Sometimes those quacks are doctors, or maybe especially the doctors who have no sense of scruples and often get caught up in a con. Uh -huh. The quackery among my fellow physicians. Unfortunately, there are even physicians, you know, people who've been through medical school who are subject to misleading their patients uh, with a profit motive. And so, uh, you know, there's just not a lot of barriers these days. It's become easier and easier for folks to understand the impact that this can have on folks' health, but also the impact that it can have on the amount of money we are spending on our health care, both personally and as a nation. The, the challenge with folks like that, um, who say things like, you're okay eating all the salt you want, or you should be eating only 10% of your calories from fat. You should be on a, a complete vegan diet. You should be eating higher carbohydrates as a result of that lower fat. 
or the opposite of that, which is, you know, old style Atkins ketogenic, because it's all the same. Atkins, you know, South Beach was son of Atkins. Ketogenic is son of South Beach. You know, they're all the same diet, basically, with a little bit different, maybe a little different twist. But, you know, this concept of either a very low carb diet or a very high carb diet, you know, it's just quackery. Uh, it's just, uh, and, and look, you know, physicians are, are, are no different than, than the rest of the, the world in many ways. While, while we did get into medical school and we passed everything, that doesn't mean that every doctor out there with a MD behind his or her name has really great critical thinking skills. And as such, it's fairly easy to succumb to uh, pseudoscience. Now, you know, what is pseudoscience? In algebra, for those of us who remember the pain in, in our sophomore year of high school of, of uh, doing algebra, you know, if A equals B and B equals C, then A always equals C. I mean, that's just an algebraic formula. It is, it's a law. There's no variability in that. Sadly, in medicine and in science to a great extent, but certainly in the, in the medicine that we found uh, our practices on, the scientific method that we found our, our practices on, if A equals B and B equals C, in medicine, A almost never equals C. But it's fairly easy to go out and cherry pick and choose articles to prove almost anything. That's pretty easy to do. And so, you know, that's what happens. And the best example of someone who succumbed to that is Linus Pauling, genius two-time Nobel laureate, and in the, you know, mid-80s, and actually before that, you know, was absolutely convinced that vitamin C, you know, was, was the cure for everything, cure for cancer. And if you read a book that he wrote in the late 80s, he just let himself be tainted by articles that he cherry-picked to prove his point. And this happens all the time in medicine, unfortunately. The real tragedy of that is that, you know, physicians uh, and, and humans, we are also very susceptible to economic pressure. You know, people build industries. You know, Dr. Atkins built an industry off what is pretty much a silly diet. And actually, now I think has been shown to be a dangerous diet that increases mortality, uh, that increases your risk of dying by, by consuming a low-carbohydrate diet. And there's been a slew of these people throughout the years, physicians. I say all the time that the hardest part about having an MD behind my name is that I also have scruples. And that's challenging because it's very easy to get rich by telling the community and telling people in the world, you know, take this vitamin. You know, we know that multivitamins are worthless. Fish oil, we now know that fish oil is pretty much worthless. We do know that fish oil probably won't harm you, but it's certainly not going to help you. The, the multivitamin actually may harm you. And so what happens is that people get locked into that profit motive as a physician with an MD behind their name of selling something. They're selling a book. They're selling a website. They're selling supplements that are just as kooky as the day is long without solid evidence. They use pseudoscience to, quote, prove, end quote, their claims. And, you know, you can say that about me. You know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm selling something. 
I, I think that what we have tried to do, and those of us in the culinary medicine realm, is use the literature and really say what makes sense, what is absolutely been shown to be effective, both in observational trials, large-scale epidemiologic studies, where you study a whole population of people, either prospectively, meaning you follow them over time, or retrospectively, meaning you look back at their consumption habits, but then also in randomized trials, like the DASH diet study, where you are actually taking the bias out of it. And that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to bias in physicians uh, and these types of scientists who say, well, this is what I believe, and I'm going to show you things that prove what I believe. And that's pretty hard to, to take a step back from and challenge your own beliefs every single day about diet, uh, lifestyle, and health. Quackery is a big problem. Yes, food is medicine. It should be your first line of therapy. It's what you have control over. But there are some who, with only small or questionable studies, will tell you that if you eat like a vegan, it will prevent cancer. No, it won't. Nor will eating a strict plant-based diet magically turn off your body's cancer genes. That's just not how genetics works. Regardless of what the ketogenic hucksters, or maybe even those primal hunters, say, cancer cells do not only eat glucose. The keto diet will not shield you from cancer. Take it from me, someone who studied cancer cells in a laboratory for several years, cancer cells grow very well using ketones as fuel. Even better than normal cells. In fact, we put cancer cells in a flask and use ketone bodies as the fuel and put in regular cells. The cancer cells will outcompete the regular cells for nutrients every single time. Why is it that none of those self-described diet experts cite anything like long-term studies that the Mediterranean diet has to its credit? Well, I have some theories. Maybe eating healthy just isn't as sexy as saying we can cure you by cutting out entire food groups like meat or grains. Maybe a lot of people prefer simple solutions to complex problems. Maybe some people like to focus on the few little studies that seem to prove their point, even though they really don't. But let's get back to the Mediterranean diet. The real power of the Mediterranean diet isn't just eating more fruits and vegetables. It's a scoring system, which they have over time defined in the amounts of foods that people should eat in each of the categories. For details of that, please see my blog, yourdoctorsorders.com. Many people assume the Mediterranean diet is simply eating foods from the Mediterranean, but it isn't. So how do you make this change? It really is by altering the foods you love, those comfort foods, making them contain more of the elements of the Mediterranean diet. And that's what makes this diet sustainable. And if you do this consistently for the next five years, you would decrease your risk of dying from all causes by 25%. 
Additionally, you'd reduce your risk of getting cancer by 24%. You'd reduce your risk of heart disease by 33%. And here's the best news. You can enjoy all those health benefits while enjoying your favorite red wine. Well, just not too much. We translate that Mediterranean diet, those Mediterranean diet principles into tacos and red beans and rice and spaghetti and macaroni and cheese. You know, the things that we're familiar with eating can very easily, the recipes that we're familiar with eating and crave, that are craveable, that are comfort food for us, uh, we translate those Mediterranean diet principles for those recipes. That's the real goal. And the important thing about that, I think, is not only does it create a great balance between macronutrients, carbohydrates, fats, and protein, but it also meets folks where they live. The idea of a super low-fat vegan diet that some kooky cardiologists purport it works They really only have observational studies. Their randomized trials are very poor. They're very small studies. They're not very well controlled for. And there's a recent study that came out in The Lancet that shows that both very low carbohydrate and very high carbohydrate, that if you're getting to either extreme on that, you increase your risk of mortality, of dying by as much as 40% by being at those extremes. And so what we teach is that moderation piece, but also that these are foods that you're familiar with and it meets you where you already live. So I always like the statement, A, meet the patient where they are, but don't leave them there. And a lot of that has to do, again, with education. Yeah, more salsa, less cheese on the taco. Yeah, exactly. But not no cheese, right? Right. Um, and, and, and again, you know, not necessarily no red meat, but certainly no bacon, or at least no bacon that's been treated with nitrites, no hot dogs that have been treated with nitrites. We let's know. Not, let's not get crazy. That, well, you know, again, the qualifier there is really treated with nitrites. We know that that chemical, for a fact, is carcinogenic, for a fact. And, and, and yet, manufacturers are still putting it in their foods. They are beginning to backpedal on that very quickly. Some of the largest uh, manufacturers of processed meats in the world are taking nitrites out, and that can only benefit their customers. Do you think that's why the Spanish do so well in the Mediterranean diet? Because when you're in Spain, on every block, there is a hamonery, and they have these beautiful Iberico hams, but Iberico hams are treated just with salt. That's how they're cured. I think that that's a, clearly a factor. There's no doubt that the type of bacon that is mostly bought in the UK and the United States and most Western countries that have been treated with nitrites and have been processed on an industrial scale are clearly carcinogenic uh, and clearly cause heart disease and heart attacks. So, yeah, I think so. But again, I'm going to call myself out on that. I don't know that for a fact, Terry, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have evidence because there's not been a randomized trial that compares nitrite-laden hot dogs with non-nitrite-laden hot dogs. So I don't know that for a fact. There are places, I think, that it's reasonable to make that jump from A to C, 
But you really do have to be careful when you make that jump, I think. And that's the hardest part is, is where do you draw that line? And there are people who could come along right now and argue and say, well, you don't know for a fact, Dr. Harlan, that it's the nitrites in that processed meat that are doing it. I do know that nitrites are bad for you. <laughs> They're not good. I, I, right. the, the Nathan's hot dogs that I buy for my eight-year-old have, have no nitrites. Right. And these days, it's not. if it is more expensive, it's not much more expensive. Uh, that's the great thing is a lot of these better choices for us used to be more expensive. You know, brown rice, pretty much now the same price as white rice. You know, whole wheat pastas and whole grain pastas, almost the same price as regular pastas. No salt added canned beans, for example, almost the same price. So I, I think that, you know, there used to be an economic issue there for a lot of folks and this is an economic issue. That is the other thing that we teach very much as we teach people how to cook and eat for themselves, which is always more economical, this myth. And it really is a myth because there have been great studies now that prove that eating healthier is not more expensive. In fact, it is less expensive. We, we did a study with, and it was a, a, a randomized trial with, uh, in our family series, we have this family cooking series that we do. Tw- uh, it's a, a six lesson series where mom and dad come to our teaching kitchen with their kids. And we collected grocery store receipts and food frequency questionnaires and such. And we showed that the folks who were in the group, who took the classes, who were following Mediterranean diet, improved their Mediterranean diet score, but they also spent about $4,000 less per year on food. And so this idea that, that food has to be more, you know, healthy food has to be more expensive, that is absolute fallacy. Speaking of fad diets, it makes no sense, medical or common, to attempt to mimic the diet consumed by ancestors, ours or anybody's. Those ancestors lived hundreds, maybe millions of years ago, and we probably have no meaningful evidence of what their diet looked like. I mean, it's prehistoric. Here's a simple fact. The food we eat today is better than what our ancestors ate, even just a generation ago, let alone thousands of millennia ago. Uh, To be fair, I haven't tasted fresh woolly mammoth. Maybe it's divine. But the goal of culinary medicine isn't to take you back in time, or even to another place, although Italy is one of my favorite places. The goal of culinary medicine is to meet you where you are today, using the foods you have at your fingertips today. Culinary medicine is here to teach you to alter your recipes slightly, to make them healthier, or even to teach you to cook. Our job is to teach you to make your comfort foods better and healthier. What we won't do, or shouldn't do, is advocate some unproven diet and claim it's healthy for you. Take the current fashionable low-carb diets or the high-carb diets, both of which were recently studied to see what would happen when, well, let's let Dr. Harlan tell us. You know, again, I'll go back to this this study in the Lancet. A keto diet is gonna gonna be a, a very low carbohydrate diet. It's gonna be very high in most of these days, mostly animal protein. That's kind of how people are doing a keto diet. 
And, you know, because we fuel ourselves predominantly off carbohydrates, when you stop putting sugar into your body, it has to get its fuel from somewhere. When it gets its fuel from stored fat uh, in your body, it, it causes ketosis or it makes this kind of this acid called ketone bodies. It's called, you know, ketosis because you, you kind of flip into that ketotic state and at that point is when you're burning your body's own fat. But, you know, to some extent, you're probably burning some of your body's own muscle as well. You're also eliminating fluid very quickly, more quickly than you would on almost any diet. And so, yeah, it's very popular today. But it's, you know, keto, again, keto diet is Atkins. Keto diet is, is South Beach. And this, this, this concept of, of a very low-carbohydrate, ketogenic diet, Atkins diet, Etc. has been around for a century. It's gone under a, a dozen different bad diet names. Another kooky physician comes along and says, oh, look, this works. And let me tell you, if I have a patient come in and they're on a ketogenic diet and they think it's working for them, I'm okay with that. I really am because, because it, you know, if that's where you live and you're enjoying that eating that way, you know, I used to say that that's probably not harmful for you, but I'm much more concerned with this new study, and it is an observational study. Uh, it's not a randomized study. It is prospective, meaning that they followed people over time rather than looking back uh, at them. And it's a pretty large study that's more concerning to me than it used to be about how a ketogenic or a very low-carbohydrate diet, Atkins diet, South Beach diet, it's all the same, might have an impact on your long-term uh, risk of dying. But it, it just doesn't have great foundations in science. Yes, people lose weight. But for the most part, and this is anecdotal experience, this is just, you know, uh, what I've seen in patients over the years. They always come in, they're clutching uh, one of these bad diet books because they want to make some change. And, and that's fantastic. Uh, I mean, uh, people making change is fantastic. Most of the time, these types of diets are not sustainable. People can stay on them for six months, eight months, a year. But, you know, then you start saying, geez, boy, do I, do I miss that pasta? Boy, do I miss that rice? You know, and, and those things that are familiar to you. The nice thing about this study that was published in The Lancet is that it, it does appear that sweet spot for being healthy and reducing your risk of dying is a carbohydrate percentage of about 50% of calories from carbohydrates, which is about what Mediterranean, 50 to 55%, which is about what Mediterranean diet is. It basically says, it basically says Mediterranean diet is what you should be consuming. Of course, not everything we eat that is tasty is good for us. There are some foods that we love that we should probably reduce, if not eliminate from our diets, like getting rid of nitrates from our processed meats. There's a lot of nitrate-free hot dogs that are available. Or making the decision to buy pasta and bread that comes from whole grains, not just refined grains. Then we should all be eating more vegetables, legumes, fruits, and nuts. And it's okay to eat meat, just not the entire barnyard, all right? The goal of culinary medicine and the Mediterranean diet is to take the foods you love and modify them to make them better, healthier for you. 
Often when people start eating healthy or healthier, they naturally lose some excess weight. This happens because even though they're eating more food than before, the food has fewer calories and it costs less. More for less? I'll take that. That is not only the magic of culinary medicine. That is science. Special thanks to Dr. Timothy Harlan for lending his comments to today's show. And of course, thanks to you for listening to this episode of Culinary Medicine with me, Dr. Terry Simpson. While I am a doctor, I may not be your doctor. And if I'm not, you should always seek the advice of a trusted, licensed medical provider, not a quack, with experience in your particular condition or concern before taking any actions. Of course, if I am your doctor, you should already be eating great food and getting at least a six on the Mediterranean diet score. Or you should be on the DASH diet, but that's for another episode. Culinary Medicine is part of Your Doctor's Orders Network and is produced and distributed by our friends at Simpler Media. The music was chosen by the not-tone-deaf Evo Terra. God, if I would have chosen the music, who knows what you would have gotten. My executive producer is the exceptionally talented and beautiful Producer Girl from Producer Girl Productions, who kind of keeps me from sounding monotone. You can follow me on Twitter, where I am at Dr. Terry Simpson. That's Dr. Terry Simpson. The transcript from this show can be found on yourdoctorsorders.com, as well as appropriate references and more information about the Mediterranean diet. Until next time, don't drink the water, drink the wine. Just not too much. <laughs>